Hi, Germantown. Hello, Germantown. Hi, you're listening to the Everyday Feminist on Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia. Or on internet radio at gtownradio.com, anywhere in the world. Hi. Hi. So we've been away for a couple weeks because of various commitments related to spring breaks. Yeah. It's so good to be back in the studio. Oh my gosh. It's so good to be Mm. back. Like I always miss this place when we're not here. Me too. And I miss you, Lois. I know. I missed you too. Did you guys miss us? Because we weren't here for the last couple of weeks. Yes. But we're back. Oh wait. Yes. Yes, you all did. You You better better have missed us, everyone. (laughs) 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 Because here we are. We're back. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, today we were thinking about kind of jumping into this idea of the word no. The word no. Mm-hmm. I think the word no is a hard word for women in particular. Harder for women than it is for men? I do. I think so. I think mm-hmm. that women uh, kind of feel potentially, at least from what I can see, less entitled to the word no. Why would you say less entitled? Because I think that it's it's sort of like we're socialized to please. Yeah. Right? And so there's something about it that it's like women are more prone to say I'm sorry than to say no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like we will yeah. apologize before we will set a boundary that we hold. It's so funny because saying sorry is so like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Like when when you really start listening to how many times we say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know, it's a little uneasy it's really uneasy I know I actually don't notice it as much in myself as I do in other women like when I see other women say they're sorry I mean I know I'm doing it too yeah but it's so unconscious my response to that is always don't be don't Don't be be. don't be sorry don't be sorry right you're good and a lot of times I'm sorry might follow a boundary or a no I can't do Mm -hmm. that I'm sorry oh I'm sorry I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. but I I just can't but I'm sorry right instead of no I can't do it Let's pick another time. Yeah. Yeah. Or that doesn't, uh, that might not be the best fit for me. Um, Maybe we could do something different. Right. Right. Or no, I don't like that. Right. Well, I, I've, I recently had an experience where I discovered my own difficulty saying no, where I got kind of like sold some beauty products that I didn't want or need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although the, you know, and it was a, it was a, funny story mm-hmm. I mean, you know it was a funny story mm-hmm. and you know my 16 year old son kind of watched me really struggle with saying no and yeah. I kept saying no yeah. but then my no kept being overridden and in the end I acquiesced mm-hmm. and bought the things that I didn't even need I mean I got a better deal but I didn't want them in the first place yeah but what was even the deal if you can really even believe this person in the first place right you're I'd, just coming at you trying to sell you something right and so I was kind of reflecting on this after the fact a Mm -hmm. bunch yeah like stephanie what happened there like you kept trying to say no and really i i even remember i was having a physiological response because when i kept saying you know the guy is like packing the stuff up in the bag that he wants me to Mm -hmm. take and telling me Mm -hmm. that he's throwing in these extra things for free and i should take this product and blah, blah 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 and i'm like that's so nice of you but I don't really need it, and I don't have the money mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I, don't, I don't really want it. 
Right. Well, I couldn't say I didn't want it because he had kind of made me want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was good. He was a good salesperson. I was like, I was like totally getting caught up in yeah. like his whole, yeah. his whole gig. Yeah. Like he really. Was he charming? Oh, so charming. Yeah. And like he totally hooked me and, you know, was like, you know, it was also about the psychology of the deal he mm-hmm. was going to give me, mm-hmm. you know, normally it would cost this much, but because this is my product and I like you, I'm going to throw yeah. this in and this in and this yeah. in. And when I would, I tried to tell him no two or maybe even three times, or I did tell him no. Mm-hmm. And each time he over he first, when I said no, his facial expression completely changed from one that was like engaged and lighthearted and my new buddy. And we're just, gonna be besties yeah to like his whole face fell so you let him down yes he looked crushed wow he looked like he was about to cry wow almost like how could you do this to me when i just spent all this time with you yeah when he you know i didn't i didn't seek him out he's came up trying to sell me something yeah and the the moment of him looking so crushed made me feel horrible but I held on to it. Right. And then it happened again a second time. You know, he sweetened the pot. I still told mm-hmm. him no. And he did the same thing except worse. And my son is there looking at me, shaking his head like she's going to cave. Wow. She's, and he can see right through it. Yeah. He could see right through it. He's like, mm-hmm. pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And in the end, I caved because, you know, he sweetened the pot a little bit more. None of it made any sense. I kind of knew it was crazy. I yeah. knew I didn't have the money. And in the end, I like see myself handing him my credit card. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. There's something that you told me before the show too, that he played on your insecurities. Oh, yeah. And now that to me is like, not only was he being emotionally manipulative by like you letting him down, like you could, you really have the power to let this like stranger down. He was attacking like, and that's the thing about beauty products too. I mean, I could go off about oh, this, please, but yeah. like, you know, it's like women are already just bombarded with the things that they should feel insecure about. Right. right and right. then you have this person, this charming person coming up to you, pointing things out on you saying, well, you should fix this or you should feel fix this and you should buy my cream. And if you don't buy my cream, me. No, oh, well, me for me yeah. and also wrinkles for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah. have to. You can go around looking like that if you want. If you want. I mean, yeah. you can I have mean, those dark circles yeah. under your eyes. Yeah. And even though I just showed you my magic cream can take them away in like two seconds. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you won't ever need to get whatever lift done to your eyelid. <laughs> wow, wow. And he, he was trying to compare the cost of his beauty product to the cost of having your eyes done like wow. surgically. I mean, he wasn't like going on like, oh, you're so wrinkled because he started out with like how good I look. <laughs> oh, you do uh, look you, really well, good. Gee, thank you. Yeah, uh-huh. No, but like he's like, oh, you're doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. But I see you have rosacea here, here and here, which I do. He was accurate. I've been told this by dermatologists. Uh-huh. But I didn't need eye cream. But so he hones in on the one thing where it's like I am I'm not like insecure about it, but I know I have dark circles under my eyes because like every woman on the planet, I don't sleep yeah. enough. Yeah. I don't I mean, sleep enough. Most people have circles under their eyes unless they're like twelve. Yeah. And the puffy eyes, of course yeah. they're puffy. Yeah. Like, We're like looking at screens. I don't know. It's yeah. like So anyway, he tells me that if I use this cream once a week, overnight for three months and it's a three-month supply 
that the effects will be miraculous. My eyes will be tightened and the wrinkles will be gone. <laughs> and you won't be able to blink. <laughs> and they'll be like encased in cement. <laughs> and all of this and it will be permanent because it will have been fixed from the inside out by whatever yeah. gold or whatever magic is in this, yeah, yeah. this magic cream. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, the reason I was bringing this example up right now is just to say that I, like it was fascinating for me to watch myself be unable to hold on to the word no. Like yeah. I couldn't just tell him no and it kind of blew my mind. And I was like, I was like disgusted with myself. I was yeah. really annoyed with myself yeah. and like I wanted my money back. I didn't want these products. I don't have more, I don't have the room in my cabinet and I don't have the money for it and here I am like feeling scammed and then just gross inside. And he yeah. was not worried about that. He wasn't worried. You know, here I am like wanting to caretake his little, you know, crestfallen face. I'm like, oh, don't feel bad. He wasn't worried about how bad I was going to feel when he just put his vacuum cleaner into my bank account and like sucked money out that right. isn't even there. Right. He didn't care. No. But I'm caring and he's not caring. And I'm then I'm like just disgusted. Yeah, the face that he gave you that's so annoying that he has to like play the part which just makes me feel like it's just all a big scam it was all a big scam but no the, it was but the thing is like this type this just seems like an exaggerated version of a lot of what happens just everyday kind of stuff that like just saying no and feeling like oh i really didn't want to do this thing or i really didn't want to get this or be responsible for this but oh fine and then you're holding it yeah. Yeah. I also think that with the word no, with like to say no, you have to know what you do and don't want. Mm -hmm. And that also, I think, can be confusing for some women. Maybe, you know, that might be globally true or it might be a thing that we could, you know, imagine would apply that it can be hard. Like if you're if you're kind of like socialized to be more communal and to be thinking from the perspective of all the other people around you all the time, mm -hmm. then knowing what you as an individual do and don't want, will and won't accept, like where your limits are and where your boundaries are, especially if you weren't taught to have them when you were younger, can be hard. So it's, I, I, I mean, listen, I struggle with this and mm -hmm. I find it difficult to know sometimes when, when what I when I, what I do and don't want, you know, or what right. I want to do, what I don't want to do. And so if I say, I might say yes, and not even realize that what I mean is no, right. until I'm doing the thing yeah. I said yes yeah, to. Yeah. And like, why did I agree? Why did I say I was going to do this? Yeah. And that, a lot of that, I think, is trusting your gut. For me, it can move to like, if I just trust my gut on this, whatever consequence comes out of me saying no, I'm probably going to be okay with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I have a pretty trustworthy gut and I override it. Yeah. You know, like the crestfallen look of the sales guy can make me override. Like I knew I didn't want these products, although maybe a little part of me did because who doesn't want some magic cure? Sure. <laughs> who doesn't sure. want to believe there's like a genie in yeah. that bottle that's going to yeah. just fix it all? It makes me think of a different type of situation of saying no. Like, um, you know, when you go to a gas station and there's the guys who are just kind of hanging around the gas station who want to come up and pump your gas because they want a couple bucks. Yeah, yeah. And to say no to them sometimes 
depending on the person, can feel pretty intimidating. Intimidating and maybe even selfish. Like you don't want to like tip them or whatever. Like they're just, yeah, but they're 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 just, they're they're like, we're trying to do something for you. We're trying to do something for you. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need your help. I don't want your help. And it's not that I don't want you to, you know, have, I don't know what, what you need, but when you're coming at me like that, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't like that. And I just want to, you know, no, right. No. And, um, I think in those situations, I think what I do is I just do the blank face and don't even really acknowledge it. And it comes across as me looking mean or being mean, or I'm like, I'm falling into the stereotype of angry woman or mm-hmm. something. No, I'm not angry, you know, but just kind of like shutting off yeah, and just kind of, you know, not engaging. Right. Right. And then they're just like that plays into like the other side of the stereotype, like the woman that's always saying yes, 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 yes. Or the woman that's like, if you're not going to say yes, you're a jerk. Right. Or the B word that I don't know if we're even allowed to say on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like to, I don't like that word. Right. Right. It's sort of like you're, you're being like unnecessarily difficult. Right. Right. If I say no, that I'm, I'm difficult. Right. Right, you're causing problems by... Or I um, don't care. I don't care about suffering. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, such a, it's such a frustrating conundrum, right? Right, and a lot of times, like, even saying no, it's like, what happens in... Like, men, in a lot of times, and I'm going to say men, but just, like, people, like, are unpredictable. This guy who was trying to sell you this thing, he's very charming, right? He was, like, did this whole pouty face thing when you f- started to say no, but a lot of times, men can be really aggressive. Yeah. Well, this guy was really effeminate. He mm-hmm. was like super petite and very effeminate and kind of joined with me in his feminine way, right? It's like there was a mm-hmm. way that it's like he's taking me and he's like, look at that cute boy across the street. Isn't he so cute? Like, and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like he's a gay man. He knows I'm a heterosexual woman. I don't know how he knew that. Some, maybe because I had my son there and he assumed. But so he's making these assumptions. At some point, in fact, he ran out of his, he saw this cute guy across the street and he's like, do you think he's cute? And I was like, oh yeah, he's good looking. And he literally ran out of his little store and tried to chase the guy down. He's like, I'm gonna get him for you. Oh my <laughs> I was like, what, what you're yeah, going to like, how yeah. much for that? I don't yeah. And then he's, so yeah. now he's a matchmaker. So he's now my girlfriend. He's my beauty consultant. He's my matchmaker. Yeah. He had a cute dog. Yeah. He took pictures yeah. of me and my son. He's my photographer. Yeah. Like he yeah. just like joined on in there. Yeah. So I'm going to do this, 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 and this for you. You didn't ask for any of it. None of it. And then if you say no, I'm going to feel sad. Right. Because look what I just did for you. I just did all that for you. But you never asked for any of that. Right. Right. No, I got like, you know, the whole encounter started with my son and I on the street in this cute town trying to take a selfie. That's it. And he comes running up and he's like, let me take your picture. I got to tell you, he took some great pictures but I didn't ask for any of that. He yeah. offered. And then before I know it, he's like swooshing me into the, like his little storefront. Yeah. And trying to sell me on beauty products that I didn't realize. Yeah. Like, that I didn't want. But yes, exactly. So he wasn't, he wasn't intimidating. That particular guy. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it can be. Sure. The other thing that you, hearing you say that, it also reminds me of something like um, that I find that people have a hard time saying no is when they're being given things 
too. Oh, yes. Right, like, because you're saying this thing about he's, like, becoming your photographer. He's becoming this. And it's like, you didn't ask for any of that. Now let's translate it to, like, how many times do you know this? Like, uh, with young kids, how many, like boxes of baby stuff people will give you and toys and blinky lights and like all this like loud stuff it's like people just like to pass on their stuff to you and just give it to you and people have the hardest time saying no no thank you yeah and then it just it becomes then a problem for you because you didn't say no and one person's like mess becomes not mess but like stuff becomes then your thing that you need to deal with because you just didn't say no it's so true lois i mean that's you know this gets back to our last show on clutter mm-hmm. it's like this is what that's that is like clutter waiting to happen mm-hmm you know, like my my grandmother used to always want to give me her hand me down clothes. Now, let, no, my grandma is actually quite fashionable, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it wasn't even mm-hmm. like old grandma clothes. Like it was, she had beautiful clothes; they looked great on her. I didn't necessarily want them, but it didn't feel like she wanted to give them to me because she cared about me or because I really wanted it. She just wanted to not have the guilty feeling of throwing out clothes. Yeah. So she yes. wanted them to go to a good home. So, in fact, I would take a lot of them and then I would donate them. And then the work is then deferred to you. Yes, deferred to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the emotional work. and the, She didn't want to deal with the saying goodbye to the precious things that she had loved. And even when we think about this other guy, the work is also deferred to you because you're the one that's paying for it. Ugh. Yeah, no, I have to now, you know, I'm, I'm like debating. I'm like, should I? I tried disputing the charge and... <laughs> You know, I'm like, this is my no is to like do a soft no on my like credit card thing. But I know it's not going to work. Yeah. But then it's also like, what other like what other ways do we end up paying for things in different ways? Because we're not able to say no. Like and there's plenty of situations where there might be a conversation or ways that we're being treated or things that are just happening that you want to say like, no, not anymore. No, I don't want to do this. But it's it seems it's like we don't want conflict. We don't want to feel like we've let people down. But like, how do we end up paying for that? Right. And we do. With time, with energy, with l- the loss of something. And resentment. Yeah. Relational yeah. resentment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. resentment comes in too when someone overrides your no. Yeah. You know, this guy, I told him no like two times, maybe three before. I eventually caved. Right. And then I'm like, I'm mad. You know, and if that's happening in a relationship, right, when you're trying to set a limit or whatever, and people cross it anyway, I come from a family of boundary crossers that it's like you, you can say, you know, I'm not doing that, or you can't do that in my house or whatever. This is not okay. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. And there are people, it's not just in my family, but there are people who get excited, I think, by boundaries and limits, because it's like, aha, this is going to be fun. <laughs> There's yeah. a new boundary that I get to cross. Like, let's see yeah. if we can, you know, get it. Like this, this man, the sales guy was not interested in my no at all. Right. It probably just, just up- interested in what he wanted and his agenda. Exactly. And to extract something from you. Right. So it's a li- I mean, in that case, it's like, a, you know, it's got a twinge of like sociopathy in it mm-hmm. because there isn't a caring for the perspective of the other. 
it wasn't a mutual relationship that's respectful that we're doing an exchange of goods, right? That Mm -hmm. there's a thing that I want and he has it. And so the exchange there is I get the thing in exchange for money. That would be a mutual, respectful interaction. Right. But this happens. This has been happening for always, right? always. Yeah. Oh, God. But it makes me just wonder, like, how can we learn how to say no? Not just to, like, even, like, the click buying on the internet or the people who are trying to, like, rub things in our faces. Like, how can we say no, trust our gut a little bit more about, like, what we actually want instead of having the thing realizing we don't want it? And that also goes for relationships, oh. unfortunately. Oh, man. I mean, really, like, how many times have we found ourselves in a situation where, at least for me, it's like being in um, a past relationship where I knew it wasn't right. It, I knew it wasn't good. My gut said this was bad, but I couldn't just say no because I was afraid of a, a ton of other things that if I wasn't in this relationship, even though I knew it was bad for me, the unknown is scarier than actually saying, like, I, it was just easier to say yes or to accept things or to condone certain behaviors. It was just easier and more comfortable and safer to live in that space than the fear of, you know, uncertainty, abandonment, feeling rejected, um, confrontation. Loneliness. All of those. Loneliness, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, loneliness is a big one. I mean, when you're thinking about the whether or not to say yes or no to a relationship, like yes, you want to be in it or no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. It may be. And I don't know if this was your experience. I know I've had this experience that, you know, you just stay in something that's not good for you for too long because it feels so scary. I don't know if scary is the word, but there's some kind of feeling that if you're not in it, what else will there be? Right. Will you will there be a loss of that relationship well, or change change the change? I mean, change inevitably is is scary. You know, because yeah. it's uncertainty. Yeah. And there's always some type of fallout with change, right? Yeah. A lot of times it's really good. Change can be beautiful. Change can be exciting, exhilarating, passionate, wonderful. There's beautiful things about change. But sometimes when it's around that word no, it's usually more confrontational. Yeah. I mean, I really think that the word no should not cause a fight. Like sometimes I think, you know, and this just comes from like many, the many stories I hear in my clinical practice, that when the word no causes a fight, when it becomes a fighting word, that means you're dealing with someone who's kind of on the narcissism spectrum, Mm. right? Because your no should not cause a fight, right? It shouldn't be that like I have a boundary and so that makes you mad. Yeah, I have a boundary, so those fighting words. No, yeah. like yeah, no's should be respected. Like you, to me, that is an indicator that you're not in a good relationship if you cannot say no and have it be heard, right, and dealt with and respected and taken seriously, right. Which is assuming that you can say no, right. So first you have to know what you want and what you don't want. Then you got to be able to actually get the word out. Yeah. But then once you get it out, what is what happens to it? This might be a little bit of a side thing, but I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah. What if you really think someone's boundaries are kind of unreasonable? Like that someone else's boundaries actually feel controlling. Do you have an example? Yeah, like I had a conversation the other day where 
I was told a boundary not uh, that I wasn't allowed to say something. I wasn't allowed to bring things up. I wasn't like my voice was being controlled by someone else's boundary. I see. And it felt unreasonable. It felt like, well, I'm not allowed to talk about something that I feel like I want to talk about. That just seems weird. Right. Like, so, but then if I cross the boundary, then I'm the bad guy. Right. Well, so that's so confusing. Yeah. I can imagine that that's pretty confusing. So sometimes I like when people say that they have boundaries, sometimes I just, I do have to stop and think, okay, well, what is the difference between someone just saying they have a boundary for me not to cross or I have a boundary that I don't want someone to cross? Recently, I've been like rethinking that language and thinking about it more. How can I most respectfully talk to somebody knowing that they have a sensitivity? Mm-hmm. That way, I don't feel controlled by a particular boundary, but I don't want to hurt the other person. So right. I know that something might hurt them, but and I don't want to hurt them. But like, I kind of feel like that boundary was like it's a little inappropriate. I guess it depends. You know, it certainly depends on the context. But you know, if if what you're saying is that you know you're in an interaction with someone and you want to bring up something that's happening, I don't know, maybe in the dynamic of the relationship, mm-hmm. and that person is, is saying, "I don't want to talk about it," like I'm not going there. We're not going to talk about mm-hmm. it. They do have a right to right. say, "I'm exactly. not talking about yeah. it." Right. They can't necessarily tell you that you can't bring it up with anyone else or that you can't, right? Because you do have your own autonomy and they can't control your autonomy. But if someone is saying in a conversation that topic's off limits or I'm not ready to go there yet, Mm -hmm. to me, that that is something that it might stink if there's a thing that really needs to be discussed. But what choice do you have but to go with it? One person can, in some ways, shut down communication. Right. Sometimes it feels controlling, though. Yeah, but people have a right. I don't. I guess I feel like yeah. it. It may maybe so, but if it's in a if it's in a two person relationship, one person can do that. That's true, and that the other person true. just has to live with it or yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's it, why I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it more as how can I be as respectful in the situation as possible knowing someone else's sensitivities. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is super important in relationships, you know, across the board. Like we all need to be doing this all the time in all our relationships. It's sort of like when you really learn like where someone's tender parts are, like don't criticize them for having that or don't like blast them, you know, then we can adapt. Or take joy in pushing the buttons like you were describing with your family. And yeah, like in... There's that's like a tactic that people do because it gives them, uh, you know, a feeling of their own type of control. If you think about like abusive relationships or things like that or the art of seduction or the art of seduction, when you go right for the part, right for the insecurity, right for the thing, the tender point and you press on it, you have you kind of have leverage to manipulate the person Mm -hmm. by being like, now look at you, look at you're upset now. Oh, you are this. You are this because you've they've triggered, which triggers also like another word that kind of like, you know, you've pressed on the soft spot that maybe you shouldn't have pressed on, but you did it on purpose to elicit a reaction. It's like baited. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's abusive. Well, you know, the I've I've spoken about the woman who has been a mentor of mine for a long time, Nancy McWilliams in the world of like psychology and psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. She's like this, you know, kind of really cool 
guru and she's this master diagnostician and she will tell you that people who have a more paranoid character orientation, you know, I'm not talking about like, oh, you're so paranoid, yeah. um, you know, like you're hallucinating or, you know, it's not like crazy paranoid, but some people kind of lead with a paranoid stance. Yeah. She will say that people who have that kind of character often come from a background where as children, they were made to have a feeling and then accused of having it. So, (laughs) right. It's like, so I make you cry and then I call you a cry baby, which I'm, you know, we might've, now I'm having a deja vu. Like maybe you have brought this up in an earlier Mm -hmm. episode, Mm -hmm. but I think that's kind of what you're saying. And it is, it's, it's like abusive, right? It, It sort of can be like, it creates really feelings of distrust in the world and the other person or the other person can start to feel like they're the crazy one. And then being in that situation, how much harder is it to say no? No. Yes. And then it's almost like there's this powerless feeling because not only are you being baited and being emotionally abused, then to say no into that, to speak your truth into that, a lot of times can get flipped back on you as well. Right. See how difficult you are? Yeah. You're so contrarian. You're so oppositional. Yes. Yes. Right. Instead of just, okay, she's telling me she doesn't like this. Let me hear her. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. Imagine that. Understanding. Or like really even just like when a woman's telling you no, believe her. Like it's not easy for her to say that. And so she finally gets it out. Don't try to change your mind. Don't tell her that that's so cute and you just do the thing anyway. Like, she's telling you she doesn't like it, she doesn't want it. What would happen if you just listened to that? Well, let's just back that up just for a second, though. When when you just said when a woman says no, that wasn't, it wasn't easy for her. So can that be like a thing that when you hear a woman say no, that we can honor that and normalize that and be like, yeah, okay. Of course she can say no. Yeah, or even like amongst each other. You know, if I if I ask you to come over or do this or do that and you're just like, nope, not today. I'm like, all right, you go, girl. You get get it. Get it. Yeah. You know, in some in some of the anonymous groups, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous, Mm -hmm. there's one there's an anonymous group called Codependence Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And in that um, that model really encourages everyone embracing everyone else's nose and boundaries. Right. Exactly like what Mm -hmm. you're saying. If someone tells you no, like don't feel hurt and rejected and demoralized or get more sensitive. Celebrate it. Like it's okay for another person to say, I don't want that. I can't do that. Not today. Yeah. See, like I'm like I'm maybe this is this is this is the show that I'm getting roasted here which is totally fine but I was I had a friendship with a woman, with a person that was in a codependent anonymous group okay right and I got to tell you it was it really it was kind of frustrating for me because even just being her friend the strong no, the strong boundary, the strong, like it was almost too, it was like, yes, like I hear what you're saying. She's like, practicing all over she's you. She's practicing yeah. all over me. And I just felt like I have, 
I have no voice. I ha- now I can't do anything because it's so wrapped up in her boundaries and what she wants. What she like that it wasn't even mutual anymore, and it actually felt like she's running the show. Well, I see what you mean because it's like that's where it's almost like that's where um, you're more loyal to the boundary than to the relationship. Yes. Yes. Right. Because in a relationship, there should be room for two people. I mean, I certainly have had those experiences in friendships, too. And, you know, a lot of friendships haven't lasted because of it. Right. Well, that one didn't. Right. Because if because if the other person is always saying, like, no, only on my terms, no, only on my terms, you know, that only is going to last so long. You know, like I might be able to accommodate that some and it's not that I didn't want to. It's yeah. like, I'm not like even, I remember just even being with her and being like, I'm not, I'm not trying. I don't want to, <laughs> like, like, what, what do you think is happening here? Like, oh. I'm like not trying to cross any boundaries. Right. Like what, what, why, why are you talking to me like this? Right. It's weird. Right. It's like, I had a, I had a friend who also, she was the one who told me this about the codependence anonymous group. So maybe there's a theme or maybe we had the same friend. <laughs> This friend, when I would want to um, see her or do something, she would tell me that she didn't have time to do anything, even though she, on the surface, had far fewer commitments and obligations than I had. She didn't have time, but she would be able to talk to me if I wanted to walk with her to the grocery store and kind of like follow her around the grocery store. Like I could accompany her on her errands and that would be a way that we could spend time together if what I wanted was to spend time with her. And I actually at first was like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, I guess she's busy. Like, sure, like I'll just tag along. It's not a big deal. But that, again, it's not a sustainable model because it's not related, right? That's where it's like if all you are is boundaries and you've got nothing, you're not letting another person in or you're not giving anything, it's almost like that no is like, it is a relationship killer. Yeah. But I can see why if people have such a hard time saying no, that they have this history of being walked all over, that they hit this point where they hit the wall where they're just like, okay, it's got to be on my terms. It's got to be my way. And it, But I think that, that you're right in what you just said. It's like you put up a wall, then you just can't, then people can't really get in. Right. Either. So there has to be like a balance there, which I think is really, I mean, so much of the show, what we talk about, I mean, we talk about like bigger themes like this, but a lot of times everything kind of shakes out on how we live our lives like every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the next time that we are tempted to say yes, like how can we just say things a little bit easier that it like feels good for us to be able to say no? And I think a lot of that is just finding a finesse. Yeah. Or just being honest with yourself. Sometimes the more honest, seriously, the better. I think, I mean, in the long run, I think so, for sure, right? And and so maybe part of what would be useful, you know, for me or for listeners who relate to what I'm saying would be to take a pause, Right. Someone might ask you if you want to do something and maybe not feel that you have to answer immediately. Like so there either could be like, let me give it some thought and let you know or take a pause in the moment and kind of check in. Like, do I actually want to do that? And if I say yes, is it for me or is it for the other person? And it doesn't mean like if if all you say is no, then that is going to be kind of like depending on what the ask is. But if it's like, I want to get together with you and all you tell me is no, then that is going to be a relationship killer. Yeah. So it, it's like, 
you know, if you want to choose relatedness, then there are going to be times when you might acquiesce or might go, you know, to a friend's house, even when you're not totally in the mood, but you're doing it as an investment in the friendship. Right. Right. right? So that can be a choice. But there's also, there's also power in being able to communicate how you feel. I don't want to let you down. So I'm tempted just to say yes and come over and do the thing. But I know that I'm feeling really burnt out right now. I hope it's just a time of life that I'll get over and we'll have our time. We really will. Right now, I'm feeling like I'm not even going to be the best version of myself if I come over. See, and I think you are the master of that, Lois. You may not know this, but you are so good at finding a way to narrate what's happening inside of you. You know, I remember like calling you once when I got um, a, a text message that I didn't know how to respond to because it had, it was like from someone who I'd had a conflict with mm-hmm. and then they're acting like nothing happened. And I remember talking to you and you were, you kind of dictated to me. You're like, you could say, I'm really struggling with how to answer this message. And just to like name the thing that was happening for yeah. me, like for yeah. me to name, name exactly what I was like, going through. I'm even having a hard time interpreting this. Right. That is really powerful because it's so honest, right? It's, it's sort of like, it's disarming, not because it's meant to be disarming, but it's like, I mean, I'm hearing you, I'm engaging with you, but I'm having my issue that belongs to me in relation to you. Right. And so... I just need to let you know how that's hitting me. Yeah, and it actually gives you a little bit more time instead of ignoring the problem or putting it off because, oh, I really don't want to. Oh, I don't know how to respond and tell them no. You know, like if you want to buy yourself a little bit more time, just be honest. Right, I'm struggling with <laughs> and that. It's a, and it actually is like usually received pretty well. Even if it isn't received well, I'm like, oh, they don't know what they want or they da ba da ba da ba like whatever it is or they don't understand. I'd rather feel like, okay, you don't really understand me, but, you know, at least I knew that I told you I didn't understand. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, all of these things do require self-reflection and clarity and some knowing of yourself. I think this is just a human thing. I, I don't know if you find it more in women than men or more men than women. But I think a lot of times people know what they don't want more than what they do want. And they find themselves with a bunch of stuff or relationships or baggage that it's just like, ugh, I don't, I didn't want this and now I've got to do something about it. Instead of coming at it from a place where it's like, I want this. This is what I want. This is what means something to me. I care about this. This is what I want to fill my life with. It kind of turns um, the yes, no kind of conversation into more, I want to have more agency. These are the types of things I want to fill my life with. These are the types of relationships, conversations, and activities that I want to have. Right, right. Which, you know, may be more of a struggle for women. Again, if we're socialized to be more communal and thinking of like, the other person more than ourselves or what is best for the greater good to have the I right to be really able to know you yourself what mm-hmm. you want what you don't want I yeah. do think that that's a struggle I mean to me knowing what you want and don't want is useful in terms of like building a sense of your own identity yeah right and and I do think that that can get overridden in a lot of women yeah I mean not only women certainly this happens in men too but 
you know, depending on your, your history and how you were raised and what kind of voice you were given and right. how much respect you got for having right. a voice. Yeah. But I mean, I think that the knowing what you want thing, that in and of itself can be quite, it can be a journey, you know, Definitely. you know, certainly people come to therapy with that kind of a question all the time, you know, that they don't know what they want. They just know things aren't going the way they, they're not happy and they don't know why. Right. And so then maybe that's a step in the process is helping the person to kind of differentiate what they like and don't like what they want and don't want what they will and won't accept. Yeah. I think for me, I, I feel like I really did make a big shift getting out of my last relationship. I felt like I knew all the things that I didn't want, all the things that were making me feel bad, the things that were hurtful and just being, feeling like I just don't want to feel this way anymore. And I don't know how to not feel these things unless I'm not in this relationship. Right. And now it kind of feels like I learned so much from what I don't want and what was painful to know that I'm not going to get myself in that situation again, because not only do I know what I don't want, I know how I want to be treated. I know uh, what that feels like to be treated well, to feel respected, to feel like people are kind. So why would I put myself in a situation where I could fall prey to it happening, it happening again. Right, right. But I think that has to also come from a place for me to be able to say no to things that might have um, shiny packaging. <laughs> but like, you know. I'm laughing because of my own mistake. <laughs> shiny packaging, Stephanie. <laughs> Unlike some people sitting right across from me who succumb to this, <laughs> who buy things they don't want. But you know what I yeah, mean? Like I so a lot of times it's like, ooh, what's that over there? Oh, I, you know, maybe, you know, I could work with this or maybe that could change or all of a sudden like we've compromised so many things because it's like we just don't think that life could be perfect. Yeah, compromise is good and no one's saying that life is perfect. People are flawed. We like have to love each other as is. But as soon as you get to the point where you're compromising your nose or compromising your yeses, usually your gut says, your gut tells you. And it's like, okay, well, if my gut is telling me something, I want to, at least I know what I want. This is just Lois knowing what she wants. I want to be able, if my gut says you need to have a conversation about this, I want to feel like it's respectful, that it's not going to be an argument that it can be like an actual conversation. Hey, I'm feeling this way. I don't really know what to do about this, but it kind of feels like a red flag here and I, I don't know what to do. Are you willing to talk about this with me? Right, right. Now, it, translate that into the house, right? How many times do women feel like they can't talk to their male counterparts because there's going to be an explosion? I'm can't do all the dishes by myself. I can't be raising the kids. I'm tired of going to the grocery store. And they're just quiet because the amount of conflict they might have to endure by just saying, I want something different. Either conflict or neglect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In other words, being ignored. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, that is a bad feeling when you're kind of saying, I'm at my limit. I need help here. I can't do anymore. And it falls on deaf ears or there's no reply at all. Or you become, and then you become something else in the other person's mind 
that three letter word nag. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so then all of a sudden you speaking what you want or you speaking of what you don't want ends up pigeon pigeonholing you into a characteristic that you don't even feel like you are. So then when you do speak up, when you do say what you want, you actually end up knowing that what you could be losing is closeness, relationality, and even love. Absolutely. So you're just quiet. Yeah, right. And that to me is like, no, I know now what I want is respectful conversations. Right, right. And and I think the 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 thing that you've done right here, Lois, is almost to like broaden this to, I don't know, to include women having a voice. Right. And because, and which a no is someone listening to your no and hearing your no means you have a voice, but even, you know, setting a limit and having it be respected, that means you have a voice. Right. And there is something I know I am especially sensitive to saying things that fall on deaf ears. Right. And some of it comes from, you know, I'm often, you know, even growing up, like I typically am the only female, like in family structures, I have two sons you know, like there've been, you know, partners or males, like it's, it's there, it's often me, I have Mm -hmm. a dad and a brother, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents are divorced. So my mom is not always with them. So there have been a lot of times in my life. I have a lot of uncles. Yeah. It's been me surrounded by so many. Right. And so I'm really sensitive to saying things that don't get responded to. Right. And especially when I'm watching, you know, like growing up, my brother could say something, it would get responded to, I could say something, frankly, that was as interesting, or maybe even more interesting, and there wouldn't be a response. And that, that makes me feel crazy. You know, or that it's a very frustrating feeling, because it's as if then now I'm not I'm not even acknowledged. Yeah. Having a feeling valid, feeling like what you say matters to somebody else right Definitely. I mean it's not like I have that experience as much anymore certainly you know mm-hmm. with you know with my kids in particular mm-hmm. you know I've raised two boys and you know we have conversations all the time I don't I don't feel like when I speak to them they ignore me unless it's you know something about a domestic chore I want done <laughs> then and I in, might get ignored and in that case I mean it's just like just persistence persistence like okay but there are some relationships that it doesn't matter what direction you take maybe i mean i remember i'm I'm talking about this last this last kind of major relationship i had quite a bit in this episode but like if i had something that i really felt like was important for me to communicate like something that meant something to me so i try to communicate it one way it's not hitting well maybe if i came about about it this way Okay, it doesn't doesn't hit that way either. Okay, maybe if I live it as example without saying anything, maybe it'll hit that way. Nope, it's not hitting. If people don't want to listen, they're not going to hear you. Yeah. And it's like, there's a certain point that I had to get to that I was like, he doesn't want to hear me. Get it through your skull, Lois. There's no, you could be doing this till the day you die and that is a hard pill to swallow yeah because then it's like because then it's like my own validation it's my own it's my own voice that i need to honor i need to honor my voice even if somebody who's saying they love me doesn't honor it it's like okay you're saying that you love me but 
my validity doesn't, it's like you're not. It doesn't register. At all. At all. So then it's like, okay, well then of course it makes sense why people in these types of relationships feel self-deprecating or feel like it's hard for them to even like love themselves because they're not really being cared for and listened to in their like homes. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like in that kind of a situation, it's like, you know, that's where you run up against the limit of the relationship. Yeah. Yep. And it comes, it comes down to like stay or leave, right? If there's a thing that you know that there's just not going to be a solution. Yeah. Because I've been in that situation too. You know, and I remember when I was in a situation like that in a relationship, I remember saying, like literally asking the person point blank, how can I tell you what I want you to know in a way that you can hear it? (laughs) Do you need me to act it out? Do you need me to say it in words? Should I write it in a letter? Do you want me like... What do is we mo- need a therapist right. here to say it to right. you? Do we need somebody else in the room to like... Like what mode of delivery right. will get through? And even that question couldn't be answered. And so that's where, you, you know, you run up against sort of, you know, the awareness that maybe you're just not going to get what you want from this relationship. And that's a really painful thing right. if you're committed to a relationship. And that's what, I mean, I... I'm very like I get I'm sensitive to this because I'm not like pro splitting up or pro divorce or any of these things. Like I think if people really want to work it out, work it out. And how can that be like encouraged in the most beautiful possible way? But when it comes to just feeling like your voice, what you say is held with respect, if that's not happening what are you doing if you're not respected in your own home? Like, what are you doing? Right. And, you know, I know with kids it gets complicated because kids are learning how to really value um, and understand what respect is. We have to teach our children how to be respectful human beings. But if we're in relationships that we're, like, not even respecting ourselves, what are our kids going to learn? Right. And I got to tell you, I feel like my family in particular had a beautiful crash course in being respectful to each other after that person left. That's just the way it was because then they were like, oh, mom got her self-respect back. Right, right. And then they started, I felt like their attitudes towards me changed. Right. Well, also, if you're like, if they're living in an environment, you know, where there's a person who's talking down to their mom and there's no way for her to kind of like stand back up. Like that's such a toxic environment to be in. It's like not good role modeling for the kids and it's not, they're not going to feel good in that at all. Right. Versus you change the dynamic. Mom comes back to life and that feels great. Right. Yeah. They probably loved getting you back. But there was also something, there was a caveat to that though. Now mom has more self-respect. Yeah. That means mom's not going to put up with your disrespect. Now listen, pick up your backpacks, take them upstairs. How many times have I told you to do this? No, I'm not doing this anymore. Take it now. Right. Go. And be ready with a consequence. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have yeah. to be a wild big yeah. punishment. Yeah. You know? No, no. And it, does, it doesn't even have to be like angry, yelly or whatever. You just be like, no, this is, this is how this house is running. This is how we're going to do it. 
this is what's expected of you. And if you want to learn how to be a competent person out in the world in your first job, just knowing how to work together, it's probably a good idea to know how to work together just in general with your family in communal spaces right. like the dining room right. it's, or the kitchen. It's like that parenting style, authoritative, right? It's like, you know, there are the three parenting styles permissive on the one end where you just say yes to everything Mm -hmm. authoritarian where it's highly punitive and a lot of no's and then Mm -hmm. that sweet spot in the middle authoritative which is what you're describing here right that i'm gonna like i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna have appropriate boundaries we're gonna all be in reality i'm gonna tell you what the rules are i'm gonna expect you to follow them there will be if there if you don't there can be a consequence but it'll be reasonable and you'll know it like we'll have gone over it in advance if you can't listen to me, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, no iPad for a week, whatever it would be, the thing that you would deal with. A lot of times I like bring it, try to make it really relational too. Like I said to my kids earlier this week, I said, this is a really busy week for me at work. This is, it's going to, there's a lot on my plate right now and I'm feeling a lot of pressure and there's going to be people at the house later. This week, can you be mindful of, leaving your stuff so I don't have to tell you this stuff. Like it wouldn't mean so much to me if I didn't have to remind anybody to clean their rooms. Just do it. Or, and then I can individually go to one of my kids and be like, can you be on bathroom sink duty this week? That would mean a lot to me because they already know that I got a lot on my plate. They already know that I've been doing it. And it's giving them kind of an opportunity to be there for me too. So it's not just me being like, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's like, this is an opportunity for you to really be a reliable person. Like my, uh, my oldest daughter, I saw her taking out the compost this morning without even being asked. And I was like, yes, she's just taking initiative. And that makes me feel cared for. Right, right. And it's what a great life lesson. And it, and it probably feels good to her. You know, like I've talked on this show about struggling about over the dishes with my son who just turned 16. Like I, I will struggle with him. And I think I even shared this on on the air, you know, a month or so ago that I came down and he had cleaned the whole kitchen on his own. And he later brought it up, sort of how good it felt to do something for the home without doing it because he was told to. Right. Like sort of just choosing. Right. You know, just choosing to to clean the kitchen and straighten up it, how good that felt. Yeah. It does. It's like, it's agency. When we have agency in our lives, it just, it gives us a different sense of hope. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, coming back around, I think no, the word no is an expression of agency, right? Yes. It's a very agentic word. It has a lot of action in it. Yes. You know, when my, the same son who's 16 now, when he was four or five, I had this story. I love this story. He was sitting in the backseat of the car. I was driving him somewhere where I remember exactly where we were actually. And he's still small enough that he's in his car seat in the back. Uh Right. And a song came on the radio, that song, like, I'm going to marry that girl, marry her anyway, where the, there's a, you know, the, the song is a story of a guy who's telling, asking a father for the daughter's hand in marriage. And the father is saying, no, you cannot marry her. And he's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Okay. So, so my son is listening to this song, a little pipsqueak in the back and kind of taking it in and processing it. And out of nowhere, he just says, the word no 
is so small, yet so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, dang, like exactly. It's like, like letter for letter, you get the most bang for your buck with the word no. Yeah. Like you can have major impact when two small letters join together. Yeah. And that him saying that it was almost like he named an internal struggle of mine. I think about that. It's yeah. so small, but so powerful. Like there's a lot of power. There's a lot of agency in the word. No, you're so right. And it's also like, there's so many ways to be able to say no, that if we're feeling conflicted about saying no in the first place, maybe we should be more conflicted about, well, how are we going to say it? Oh, are we yeah. going to be like, no, back up, no. Or are we going to be like, okay, I'm feeling this way. We have to, th- like, can we come up with a solution I, because I feel no here? No. Or, right. Or, or like, like all the different shades of what it could look like. Right. Or like I saw, I saw a friend of mine the other day do this kind of beautiful maneuver where he said um, to a salesperson, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a quick no instead of a slow no, so that you can go find your yes. Love it. Or a patient of mine told me about someone in her life who would say, now, wouldn't that be nice if I could do that? <laughs> would be nice if I could do that. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, I know you want that. And boy, wouldn't that be nice? I just can't. But wouldn't yeah. it be nice if I could? Yeah. yeah. And and I'm guessing too, like the context matters. There might be times when screaming the word no is the thing you must do. Yeah. Like For, no, absolutely not. Get away from me. You can't hurt me. Getting back to like the self-protection. Right. Because, you know, that we can't be talking in blanket terms. Sometimes you have to say no to protect yourself. Yes. And then other times it's just like, well, I feel bad. And now I'm left with like the sink full of dishes. Right. And all the laundry. Right. And the huge to-do list because I couldn't say, no, this is, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And what, you know, what the voice you just made when you're saying, now I feel bad. I actually think that that's an important one. Mm -hmm. This feeling that, you know, a lot of women get that if I say like, I'm going to feel bad. I feel so bad as if, you know, like me with the sales guy. You know, he, you know, his, he looks so crestfallen. And then I'm like, oh, I couldn't say no. Cause I felt so bad for him. That's not, that's yeah. not a healthy interaction yeah. style. I yeah. mean, and I own that. Like I totally failed. Yeah. Right. I, I failed myself there. But it's like, if you, if you feel bad cause you don't want to inconvenience other people or you don't want to let people down, like, cause then that, that's a little bit different than feeling like you not, you don't necessarily want conflict. Like when you're just afraid that you're going to let someone down or inconvenience someone and you're like, Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. You know, it's like, and it feels bad cause you don't want you, you take the feel bad instead of letting them maybe feel bad because you said no. Like, I mean, it really just like self perpetuates a way that we like give our own voices validity and then we just feel sorry all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, we have to get over this. I think that that, you know, that, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The uh, over apologizing or that I just feel bad. I couldn't say yes because I just felt bad. All of those things, I actually, I think when women say, oh, I felt bad, they do. They do yeah. feel bad because we're not accustomed to doing this. It does feel like you're harming someone else if you say, can you help me or no, I can't. Let's, I love it that you brought this story though of like what, like buying something though. Because in the situation when you, we think about what it costs, 
and we think about divisions of labor and we think about the amount of free time that women have versus men that they have. It's like, what is our just compliance or just saying yes all the time or just like silently agreeing to something? What does that end up costing us? Oh, so much. Often. Our own autonomy our uh, stress, like uh, not feeling so stressed all the time, building healthy, meaningful relationships, like feeling respected right where we stand. Like it costs us those things. Right. And time and time, time that we could time. be time and energy that could be going we to other be, creative things. And or, we've, we've have a show about yep, this, yep, just about sure like do. what could women be doing if we didn't have all these other things. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just a few shows ago. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of time, oh, I have a feeling that we're about out of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, we, we could keep... I love talking to you, Stephanie. Yeah, I know. I do, too. I love talking to you. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like we could keep going on about this. It's like we could do probably a few shows on the word no yeah. and women and boundaries. Yeah. You know? But we crossed a lot of things, yep. even just like... Hopefully, listener, you're able to feel a little bit more empowered about saying no. And then we also talked about like when we get no's and it feeling like sometimes it doesn't feel good to get a no or it feels controlling to get a no or but it's okay. It's okay. I'd rather let uh, let the dust fall where it's going to fall. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, then we'll clean that up once the dust falls. Right. Well, Lois, this has been awesome. Mm, yep. Because you're awesome. You're awesome, too. And, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm, Yay. Mm-hmm. No more breaks, hopefully, for a little bit. Yeah. 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 March was spring break month in my house. Yeah, I had a, you know, college spring break was two weeks and high school spring break was yeah. two weeks. These are long. I don't know. I'm sure not everyone has these extra long spring breaks, but man. Well, I am so excited so, for spring, though. It's beautiful. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Bye, Philly. Bye, Philly. Spring is springing, so go out there and have fun and tune in next week. And also, feel free to check us out online on theeverydayfeminist.com. There's links to all of our past shows in podcast form. So feel free to listen and share and enjoy all of it. It means a lot when you share. Thanks. It sure does. All right. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.